Good evening and welcome to each one tonight. Um, this service come about as an idea from, I guess, some of us people that are still raising children or trying to. And uh, we thought maybe it'd be a good idea to get some experience to teach us um, maybe some of their mistakes or maybe some of the good things. Um, my dad, as I started leaving home and started to have children, and he would always tell me, he just had this saying, he would say, if you want to know how to raise your children, ask somebody that doesn't have any. And, you know, that's an interesting concept, but before I had children, I would look at somebody else's child and they was doing something that was wrong or they was not doing things the way I viewed they should do it. And I would always have these things, no, if this was my child, I would do this. I'm pretty sure some of y'all have probably had that before. It's interesting. Um, I'm not near as old as some of y'all here are. But it seems like a lot of times the more I've learned, the more I know, the more knowledge I accumulate, whether it's in farming, whether it's in uh, fire and EMS, if it's in nursing, if it's in whatever occupation you have, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Anyway, I thought this was a good, uh, would be a good night for us, and then I realized that I was supposed to come up with something to say, and then that started to be where I thought maybe it wasn't quite such a good night. But I've got a question for y'all to think that y'all are, are parents or maybe have been parents or will be parents. Does it excite you to be a parent? I wanted to ask for a raise of hands, but I don't think that's good because I don't think all the times we view children as an excitement, as a blessing. There's times when our children don't do the things we want, and sometimes it can be a drudgery. And there's a lot of people in this world that do not view children as a blessing. Um, there's many verses that we could go to. This evening, Psalm 127, verse 3, you don't need to turn to it. It's a very familiar verse. It says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. What does a heritage mean? Does that mean that our heritage, that we'll pass our farm to them, or um, just that's, that's our succession planning or whatever? The idea of the word heritage is more of a gift. God established children as a gift to you and me. Is that the way we view them? I'm pretty sure that if you would ask most parents that have raised children, they would have that concept that they made a lot of mistakes or they really don't know what they're, they really haven't figured it all out. Um, and that became fairly evident as I tried to get people to speak tonight. They, even the people that are speaking said that they don't feel like they're qualified. Well, I, I'm sure that they're more qualified than what 
I am, so I'm, I'm anxious to hear what they have to say. As I was thinking today, too, um, we, we tend to think there's a concept that I've heard over, over the many years that I've been in, in church life. and it, The concept is that we view as our father um, or as our earthly father, that's, that portrays our view of what we see God as. And I'm not saying that's not correct. I've just never, maybe subconsciously that's what's going on. I've never really thought of my father as being somehow um, how I view God. Um, because I don't think we can really get there in our earthly minds of how a father is. For me being a parent, my perspective has changed just a little bit on how I view God, um, more so than how I, how I see my earthly father. Go with me in your mind if you're a parent. Being a parent has changed who I view God as. I don't know if he has in your life or not. But if you have a child that you love, that you've raised, and they make a bad choice, they make a bad decision. Um, it's difficult for us as a parent to see that. Why is that? It's because we know the outcome. We know the discipline that's going to follow, the pain that's going to follow, the suffering that's going to follow, and we know the outcome of it. But if you're a real parent that truly loves your child, that never changes the love you have for that child. And as I've, I've seen my children grow up, I've realized in my mind, and it may be not be a true, correct thing, but it's, it's how I've seen God and how he views me as his child. He, he knows when I mess up and he knows the consequences. He knows all the bad things that are gonna happen because of my choices. And he only wants the best for me. Is, is our children make those mistakes, do not let it change the true love that you have. And that is how God views us as well. There's another thought for me, what do I wanna see out of my children? Um, what, what is our desire for our children? Do we want them to grow up to be good farmers, good whatever, truck drivers, I'll use Luke. Um, is that what we aspire for them? Is that our dreams that they just listen to us and they follow our commands and they're just good children that follow what we want them to do? Is that what I um, to see out of my child? There was many verses in the Bible about children, but I'm gonna read one verse, again, a very very familiar verse, Deuteronomy 5, verse 29. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments always, that it might be well with them and their children forever. Is that your goal and desire for your children as you're raising them? Do you want to have a good farmer or do you want to have a good God-honoring um, lineage that will follow on and pass on God's truths.
I've talked to a number of older fathers over the years, and I'm one that I like to ask questions and see what, see what responses I get. But I've never had a parent ever tell me when they've gotten towards the end of their life that they wish they'd have spent more time at work or that they spent less time with their children growing up. I've, I've never heard that. In fact, it's typically very, very stark contrast to that, that they say, whatever you do, spend more time with your children than what I did. Anyway, those were some thoughts I had. So as we listen to these uh, men tonight, and I'd like to thank y'all for coming. Um, hopefully, maybe they can share some good highlights that they had, maybe some mistakes. And hopefully, we as parents that are still trying to raise our children um, will not have, will maybe not make as many mistakes as what they did. All right, with these thoughts, let's kneel. Uh, Nathan, would you lead us in prayer? Good evening. Now you all are so far away. Now being an old man, I uh, will try to stay on script. I've got stuff written down here, but sometimes you think of things and I don't want to get off what I wanted to say too far. So the title of this, uh, this evening is Highlights of Parenting. Now, uh, Sherman said something about good highlights. Well, are there other kinds? Are there bad highlights? I hope, I hope not. So I asked myself the question, so what do we mean by the word parenting? So I looked it up in Merriam-Webster's first definition is the raising of a child. I guess I never thought much about being a parent when we were first married, well, I was getting married, you know, we're gonna enjoy life together. I personally hadn't heard the word parenting used until recent years. I don't know if it's, I just was out of it or didn't, didn't pay attention or what. I knew, I knew what a parent was, but parenting? <clears throat> We trained our children to do what we knew was right and respond and relate properly to others. <clears throat> so, I guess one could call that parenting. We lived our values before our children and somehow they caught on. Somebody once said, more is caught than taught. You've probably heard that before. I think, it's, I think that's true. I also like to claim what Third John 4 says, the apostle says, more uh, says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Well, I think he was probably talking about his spiritual children there. But I would like to apply it to uh, myself. I know I had heard my father say that a number of times as I was growing up. <clears throat> like to talk a little bit about, uh, give you a brief background of our family for those of you who are younger than 30. 
I grew up in Ohio, and Esther grew up in West Virginia and Virginia. We first met at a winter Bible school in Ohio. This is where I thought, um, after serving my, then after Bible school, it was a, a brief time until I needed to go in to do my one WVS service. This was back during the Vietnam conflict, and all young men needed to serve their country. And we, of course, um, opted to be conscientious objectors and uh, went through the process to find another job that was appropriate for Christians. <clears throat> so after serving the two-year term, we got married and lived in Hartville, Ohio. This is where I thought I would be for a long time because I had a job working for my dad in construction. But the Lord had other plans for us. Virginia Conference West Valley District Mission Board asked us to serve a term in Bartow, West Virginia, helping out with a small mission church there. So, seven months into our marriage, found us moving to West Virginia. After two years later, about two years later, um, we moved to the beautiful Shenandoah Valley. Of course, there was a little bit of pull here because Esther's folks lived uh, over here in the valley. Our oldest child was born in West Virginia. And three more children were born after we moved here um, to the valley. And we lived here 15 years and in this area. Then again, after 15 years, the Lord through the church, now Southeastern Conference, called me to the office of deacon and I was asked to serve with the North Fork Congregation. This was not an easy call for our family, especially our two oldest children, to accept. Remember, they're young teens. <clears throat> Pulling up roots here and moving to unknown territory. And I might say, there was encouragement from the grandparents. They, they said, everything's gonna be work out all right. They, they helped us, you know, make that transition. Even though they, they weren't moving themselves. I think at the time, I think Lloyd's were, they were living uh, already in South Boston because he was interim pastor down there. <clears throat> Well, by the time we moved to West Virginia, our family numbered six, our oldest was 15, and learning to drive. By then, our family, uh, by then, uh, let's see, I lose my place here. <clears throat> I'm gonna share something that Daryl wrote about a year after we moved and had his driver's license. We recently acquired this poem from his high school teacher. The poem's title is West Virginia versus Virginia. West Virginia is a place where people drive too fast, where all they do is rip and race and end up with a cast. Second verse, 
Virginia is a lovely state with green fields far and wide. People drive at a slower rate to enjoy the scenery outside. Signed, DPG 1988. So is it a surprise to anyone that Darrell moved to Virginia as soon as he was of age? And now he likes to view the scenery from the sky and pities us earthlings. I'd like to talk a little bit about family worship and singing. Before any of our children were born, my wife and I engaged in daily Bible reading and prayer together. Sometimes we sang a song or two. So when the ch children came along, it came quite naturally that we have family time, worship and singing. When the children were very young, it was a bit of a challenge to have regular times for this. With me working a ten hour, four 10-hour days per week and being gone close to 11 hours per workday, didn't always work out. Regular attendance at Wednesday evening meetings, however, and other special meetings, took priority in our routine. Um, we grew up, Esther and I grew up, uh, there wasn't a question about whether or not we're going to go to church when there was a service. We just did. So it was just a natural thing. When there's church, we go. <clears throat> so we planned time to have our family worship after supper, and then soon after that, the children needed to get to bed. The highlight from this would be that all of our children needed, uh, all of our children have married godly spouses and continue living consistent Christian lives before uh, and before their children, our grandchildren, as far as we know. Singing has also been an important part of, important part of the family's togetherness. Esther and I enjoy, enjoy listening to the individual families sing at our annual family reunion. It's been kind of a tradition. Uh, each family prepares a couple songs that they sing, and uh, we enjoy that a lot. I want to talk about uh, another activity that we really enjoyed, um, helped us make a lot of memories, and that is camping in the summer months. Highlight for the family was going camping for a week. The first time when the children were really young, when we went to Bethany Beach, Delaware. Uh, I think my boss encouraged us, you know, go. His children were a little bit older, but anyway, we decided to go, and we had three of our children, our baby, we, we left the baby at home. We left it with Grandma. My sister Mary went along to help with the children. We stayed in an old German-made tent uh, right out by the beach, right by the beach among some trees. It was fun, but we decided that uh, after that trip that we'd wait till the children grow up a bit and get older. And so quite a number of years then, after they were older, we uh, camped with another family from this congregation uh, on Loft Mountain, uh, Skyline Drive. Some of you have probably camped up there. It's kind of rustic, but uh, we enjoyed that a lot. We uh, enjoyed the, uh, the uh, hikes, activities with the rangers there 
great learning experience for all of us and made a lot of memories. We continued this practice of camping for a week every summer, even after we moved to West Virginia. We camped with another family at a different state park every year. After several of our children were married and before the grandchildren came along, we were able to enjoy camping together a couple times. I thought maybe that was about all I was gonna be sharing and then something came to mind that I probably could uh, share. Um, maybe you can call this a highlight, but um, could be considered that. And that is the support that our children now uh, give, give us in our senior years. We sometimes need to take advice from them. Uh, I, I don't know, you call that role reversal or what? <clears throat> Maybe it is, you can think about it in that way, but uh, we appreciate that. And the, uh, we're, we're glad that they you know, advise us and suggest things. And I'll give you um, an example of this. Um, here in a little bit. Now, we depend on them on an emotional and physical level, similarly to the way they depended on us when we were, when, when, they, when they were at home. 21 years ago, um, Esther and I moved to Ohio to care for my aging parents. We, uh, we found a, a house that my dad purchased that was suitable for two families to live in. And uh, we took care of them for a number of years. And then Esther, uh, just a few years after we were in Ohio, she was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And then with her declining um, health, um, our children came to us uh, with a formal letter and just asked us if it isn't time for us to move on because it was getting harder for Esther to, to uh, do what she needed to do to take care of my mom and so on. So um, we, we uh, made arrangements for my brother Dave to take our place there. Um, in the house where we were living, and we moved into a, an apartment in Hartville and stayed there until um, until after both of my parents had passed away. I don't know how to um, what to what to say as a final encouragement, but just. For you younger parents, don't give up. I mean, just be consistent. Um, it's gonna pay off in the end. And um, of course, the, the, the uh, associates that our children associate with, the friends they have, um, has an effect on them too, uh, has an influence on them. So we need to, be aware of, of that kind of uh, relationship. And then uh, we moved back here in 2016. It's hard to believe it's been seven years already. So I guess one could say we've come full circle. Thank you.
Good evening. <clears throat> well, I'm one of them that probably told Sherman that I'm not qualified, but he said he was getting desperate, and I said, well, I would help you if you're desperate, and he said, I'm there. So, um, so I'm up here this, this evening, and I don't necessarily uh, have the answers. I don't think anybody does, and I talked to him when he called me, and and I said, well, you know, he said, us young people need to learn. And I said, well, you know, when we start out young, we had to feel our way through it. And uh, some of the things that uh, I guess as I thought about it, that come to my mind, and, uh, and I don't, I know there'll probably be some repeating here this evening, but uh, I know we, uh, send out our birth certificates uh, or uh, announcements and uh, Linda always put on there that uh, children are a heritage of the Lord and uh, from the Lord and I will say that the blessings for us is uh, maybe a little more because we were told uh, that we would never have children and so I always say that our children are miracles that came. Uh, I guess the thought that had been running through my mind, uh, we see that uh, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 23 talks about uh, verse 13 and 14, do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die, he shall bear him. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. So that's, that would be uh, one of our main desires for uh, raising children is to deliver them from hell. Now I'm not, I'm not a believer in uh, in uh, beating the child until he's about dead. I mean, that's, but I am a believer in uh, biblical discipline because we see it in the world, and that's why the world is in the shape it is because of lack of discipline. And, and I see it so often in the conservative, conservative groups going to a different way of, of uh, correcting. And, and I'm not, I know with our society today, we're afraid of leaving marks and all that, and I understand that. But I, I think uh, here it talks about inflicting pain, and I think we can inflict pain without being too uh, dramatic with that. A uh, couple things that I heard, uh, well, a while back. Recently, I heard a young fellow that got married and they had their first child. And they told my uh, brother-in-law that one of the biggest fears that he has in raising children is how you're going to discipline. And uh, so my mind got rolling. And I remember years ago at the peak, there was a fella teaching 
Sunday school and he was teaching us older men and it was on child raising and and I can tell he was exasperated and he said brethren he said I have a child that I have done the biblical way and it's not sinking in and I remember John Risser was in the class and I remember him making the comment do you do it the biblical way? And he said, I do. And John said, well, I don't really have. And, and the thought just came to me, and I, I told him, I said, well, I think you need to keep it up. It's probably doing more good than you think. And I remember him thanking me for it. And then a couple months later, my sister called me in the same way. And so I told her about this situation, and I said, don't give up. That's what I say for young people that are, and each child, we all know each child is different. Um, and obviously, um, we want to keep our children out of hell. That's our main, main goal. Um, there's many blessings that I could say here this evening uh, of having children uh, and it's uh, and I wanted to be careful I didn't repeat a lot and but uh, I know if we're consistent and live what we teach why things things go a whole lot easier if we say one thing and try to teach another, uh, it doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, usually sink into children. And then we get along, go along and we get into the teenager's age, and, and that's a different, comes to, in my thinking, different part of parenting. Uh, and maybe I'll say these phrases and maybe you've heard them before. Uh, but why, Dad? Why can't I? All the others are doing it. I don't understand why this is such a big deal. Um, I don't know if you, maybe I'm not a normal, our home wasn't normal, but that, those are things we heard. And, and you know, it's, it's tough because, you know, it's, it's people in school, it's people in the church. And sometimes, you have to, you have to set boundaries, and sometimes you uh, you're going to be different. I mean, that's uh, part of parenting, um, and probably one of the biggest things that we learn, and that is, is friendship. Their friends, uh, you need to be involved, and be what kind. Of, I mean, we've had several of them that we had to. Uh, tell them to stop their friendship with those people because it was affecting their their character, and uh, so that's that's a big part of it. And I think Paul referred to that too. Uh, probably one of the biggest blessings in our home was is when the children accepted Christ. I think that's for everybody. 
um, all, all of our children accepted Christ in our home and we were able to lead them and that's a, that's a blessing in itself. And probably one of the greatest blessings is to see them grow from there and, and walk in uh, walk in in God's ways and the way that you have taught them. Um, and you know it's it's good to see your children making right decisions, and that's that's probably one of the blessings because once they get of age. You know, you can offer advice, but, they, you know, those are choices they make. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to say this evening that, and maybe that's why the children that walk in, in the Lord we're so, feel like we're so much blessed because we have a child that isn't. And, and that's a, a painful situation. And... And the reaping that he's going through right now is is very uh, very hurtful for him, and also for us. Um, Paul made said about the verse uh, in John third John four. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now I love children. Uh, children that are that have been disciplined uh, and I will say I thought I would talk a little bit tonight about my grandchildren because they're, they're pretty special to me and so if you raise your children up then you're going to have that kind of grandchildren and I'm a little bit like my brother says that he enjoys his grandchildren so much that he wished he would have started with them first. So, uh, um, anyway, so I, I guess this evening I, that would be my encouragement to the young people and is uh, do all you can to uh, keep them on a straight and narrow way. I mean, keep them from hell. That's what we want to do. So thank you. And good evening. I can second the thought to throw it out this evening. We don't have all the answers. Uh, it's interesting. If you think about it, God puts on the earth every hundred years a complete new set of people. And that next generation every 30 years is raised by people who are totally inexperienced. But it's God's way of doing it, and it works if we do it correctly. When Sherwin called me the first evening, uh, he didn't realize where I was at. I was in North Dakota headed west, so I had a lot of time to think about this and uh, this topic. And I told my wife, I said, a lot of topics are miniature sermons. I said, this one's story time because it's about parenting experiences. So I'm going to relate a few experiences that we had, some of them, uh, some good experiences are fond memories, some bad experiences are good learning lessons. So we've had both. We haven't been perfect parents, we've made our mistakes, and uh, 
I want to focus on God has been good to us. God has, uh, I'm not going to relate all our bad experiences, but God has, there have been families out there that have calamity after calamity. We have went through this child raising experience. We've had some issues, but we have, uh, God has blessed us. We've been, we've been safe for the most part. Uh, God gave us three boys, and I was selling mulch one day years ago. Had a man come up to the house or come up there to get mulch. He had four daughters, and he asked me about my family, and I said, well, I said, we got three boys. Haven't had any girls yet. He said, don't worry about it. The girls will come. He said, I had four daughters, and the boys come. He said, that's the way it works. So we had three boys, and the girls come, and they have all been a blessing. Uh, the weddings have been a highlight of our family. And so, uh, yeah, God has, God has been good to us and, and very, uh, very, the grace has been thick at our house. God has been gracious at our house. Uh, I'm going to relate a few, few uh, experiences now. Uh, some of them I won't go into. I'm just going to mention the youngest one. Uh, I don't know. He, he, uh. He ended up in the hospital three times, self-inflicted injuries always, and uh, those were learning experiences for him and us, and uh, it, it's one of the things of raising boys and children. Uh, they, they, do, they do some things that, uh, I, I want, somebody mentioned, Roger, I think mentioned, you see your children make mistakes once in a while. Uh, sometimes I sit back and watch them, because I knew it was gonna only affect them, maybe their, Humility or their pride and their pocketbook. So you let back and let sit back and let it happen, and uh, they learn something from it. So uh, I want to tell two stories now on the oldest one, and the first one has to do with his imperfect dad. Uh, when he was about this tall, they decided they needed a swing in the backyard, and. Uh, I had swung when I was a little feller on a swing that wasn't very good, and when you swing too hard, it upset. So I decided I was gonna build a swing that wouldn't upset, big one. And I built this swing, and uh, Clint and I were putting the chains on it, and we backed the pickup truck up, using it as a ladder, stood on it, and had everything done, but we needed one bolt. So I told Clint, I said, uh, sit down there on the wheel well, we're going down to the chicken house and get a boat, and we come back up, we'll finish. When I pulled away from the swing, the chain snagged the tailgate, pulled the swing over on the truck. It dented the truck, missed his head by that much. Uh, God was gracious, he protected us, but it was, it was a close call. Now we're gonna jump forward to seven years. He was about 15, 16. Him and Logan had gotten a little plastic DVD player, fold up like a notebook, rechargeable battery. He went to bed one night and uh, he watched a hunting fishing video, laid it down beside the bed, plugged into the wall, went to sleep. And he woke up, God woke him up. Flames coming upside the bed. Uh, he threw a pillow on it, out and it, and uh, and uh, carried it outside and woke Brenda up. She, I was gone that night, I was in Michigan trucking. And they aired out the house, everything was fine, everything worked out, God was, God was gracious. But as I come down the road that night thinking, 
I drove all night. I was thinking about it. I said, I could be coming home to a funeral or four. Could have been four. But God was good. He was good. Now I'm going to tell you a story that was a big impression on one of my children and Logan. And I didn't think about it. I didn't think about this much at all. It's just the thing that they had to do. We bought him a little bicycle when he was about eight. And he fell in love with that little bicycle. He rode it around. And one day he let it lay in the parking lot behind the vehicle. And uh, I run over it. And I didn't just smash it. I ruined that bicycle. And uh, I had worked in a welding shop. And the farmers come in there with equipment broken up. We looked at it and said, yeah, we'll fix it. Or no, we can't. I looked at that bicycle and said, it'll never ride again. It's, it's, it's done. Anyhow, I laid upside the shop, and uh, one day I looked at it, and I said, well, maybe I could try. Maybe. I took it in, took it apart, and I can't explain it today, but that bicycle came right back straight. I bent it, pushed on it, it straightened up, and it was rideable. So I took it back to Clint, or Logan, and gave it to him. And uh, as you know, little guys, they think their dads are pretty great. But they grow out of it. They grow out of that idea after a while. But anyhow, I think that night when I gave him his bicycle and his face lit up, I think if you'd ask him, he said, yeah, Dad could probably walk on water. He thought I was pretty great that night. I forgot all about it. But he reminded me 20 years later, he reminded me that it was a highlight of his life that I took the time to fix his bicycle. And now I want to jump, jump a chapter a little bit. Uh, well, I met Brenda. Her family taught her to like camping, and Sherwin doesn't mention that. Uh, it doesn't have to be camping in a family. It can be going to the museum, going to the park, or whatever. But if there's something a family likes to do, it's important that you do it. And she taught me, of course, it was an extension of my love for hunting and fishing. Uh, going camping was fun. And so we started camping. We ended up with a little camper to start with. And when the children come along, they went along. The diaper bag and the camper got bigger and bigger. Uh, we, went, we did a lot of camping over the years. And there was times when I was camping, we, we, uh, we fell in love with going to Lake Moomaw back in, West, back in Bath County. Because Lake Moomaw is a, is a lake that's not commercialized. There's nothing there but a boat dock and a gas pump and a campground. And we went back there a lot. We went back there every summer, multiple times. And I would be back there thinking that I got work at home. I got stuff to do. What am I doing back here goofing off? I got work to do. But now, as I look back on it, at my age, looking back, not one minute was wasted. The family, our children, our God gives us are not animals that we feed and clothe and they're done. They need nurtured. And young people sitting back there, take time with your children. It doesn't have to be anything great, but take time to raise your children because it's part of it. It's something they're going to remember. It makes a tremendous blessing for them and us later on. Uh, when you, if we take our time, Put it on a graph on a computer and a pie. 
You got your slot for family time, a slot for church and school and work. You know what gets robbed when you get busy? Family time. Family time goes out the window when the, when the job gets busy or meetings come in, family time disappears. So take time to be with your family. Sherwin already mentioned it. Older people are lamenting that they never spend enough time with their children. Uh, I've never heard an old person say I spend too much time with the children. Always, always the other way around. So take time with your children. Uh, somebody mentioned our children making decisions. Uh, joy of watching children grow up. Watching them make bad decisions, watching them make good decisions, watching them learn from them, and then doing better after they've made a mistake. Uh, last but not least, it's the goal of Christian parents to raise children to become positive assets for God, the church, the school, and the community around. We want our children to grow up to be godly people. There's challenges in the world that have already been mentioned. Uh, there's the winds of evil are blowing more today than they ever have with the things that are going on in society. But it's very rewarding when you raise your children, point them in the right direction, and then when the third generation comes along, they're raising your grandchildren in the fear of the Lord also. That's a tremendous blessing to people who are my age. My wife and I are now empty nesters. But the blessings of looking back and having raised a family, of seeing those little ones come through the door, they're happy. They come through the door asking for a cookie or whatever. Uh, the third generation, like Roger said, if we could raise the third generation first, you know, uh, what a blessing it is. But uh, God bless you, young people, and don't forget to take time for your children.